everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I am probably over-caffeinated and underprepared today. This is your morning show for any hour. I'm here, as always, with my lovely co-host, Vic Mattis of The Free Beacon. How are you doing, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I am doing fine. I enjoyed my week off and listening to Carol Markowitz and Bethany Mandel and their big new book, Stolen Youth. Yes. So Doing I, well. Uh, did, did, did that give a big boost? Well, they said they sales? got some feedback from the hey. Hammerheads, so that was Good. nice to hear. Good. Excellent. Good feedback. Good. Not mean, not trolling, not that they would care. They're, no. very, they're very tough ladies. Yeah, I think they're used to that by now. <laughs> they really are. Yes. So I'm doing fine. Otherwise, although you know, I am now functioning with two missing teeth. Right. You know, so again, it's like Asian deliverance over here. <laughs> And it's been hard because I can't really, I'm only beginning now to emerge from my soft diet. Mm -hmm. I I tried eating a bag of Zapp's potato chips. Okay. And I had to break it up into pieces and just let it melt. (laughs) But this is what I was going to say, but this is why you and Jennifer are looking at me and wondering, Mm -hmm. I've lost so much weight. And in the last week, I dropped almost two pounds. In the... In the soft diet era. In the soft diet era, almost. Maybe 1.6. I definitely uh, yeah. saw it. You I can tell. You can tell. No, really. It's in the, it's, it's, it's a new spring in my step, but I'm also much, much weaker. So, no, I'm, I'm hanging in there. And other than that, I guess getting ready for March Madness. Yeah. You know, Georgetown <laughs> is in transition. The great news for Georgetown, by the way, listeners, is we finally fired Patrick Ewing. So that oh, was a is big he gone? Deal. Yeah, shockingly, he he had a, a, a not a bad record over the last two seasons of thirteen wins and fifty losses. So uh, you know, it's uh, I guess you could do worse. Yeah. by having a <laughs> six or seven. Yeah, he had six. People are saying he doubled the number of conference games he won this year from last year from was, uh, from like zero to one. Oh, to one or two. Well I done. think he went from one to two. One to two. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. My team is the Duke Blue Devils. I know. Hate, hate, hate. I'm from Durham. Yes, deal with you it, guys. are allowed to. <laughs> this is a weird year for a lot of the old school sort of powerhouses, right? For example, Duke is what? They're in, I assume they're in the tournament. They are, and they won the ACC tournament. Of course. But it's not a it's not a banner year, but it is a transition year because this is the first year without mm-hmm. Mike Krzyzewski. So that's a huge yes. deal. That's from, from 1981 until this year. Who is the coach now? John Shire. Okay, do you like him? Yeah. He was a player. I was going to say that's a familiar name. Yes. He, okay. he played and I watched him then. Although I have to say in the new era of people, and I, I'm such an old fogey, when the, when the players leave after a year, which is what they all invariably do, I don't have time to get to know a team. I don't have as much time anymore because I got a yeah. lot of kids mm-hmm. and I can't watch three games a week. So I've I've fallen in my basketball viewership over over the past well decade, i mean this 15 is, years this is why i don't follow the nba for example because they're always changing players yeah. and college has gotten worse it used to be you'd be there for four years and certainly places like georgetown until iverson everybody stayed for four years so you got to really really know and like the players or hate the players whichever so it's a, a little bit different so you were saying duke won it's not a big banner year for them but they won the acc tournament so let me guess they are a, a bottom one seat I'm not even they're, sure. They they have to play in they have to play in let's see Charlotte. Yeah, and they're they're basically they have to pay, hometown. They have to go very far away. <laughs> no, I think they're like a four seed. Oh, whoa, that's yeah. crazy! I was yeah. gonna say two. Five seed in the East. 
very interesting. Oh, well, four thirteen matchup. You know, uh, well Virginia every now and then. Virginia, who Duke beat in the ACC tournament, number four seed. Excuse me, <laughs> but you know what? Maybe must th- have been the regular season. Maybe though. this is Shashevsky gone. You know, we don't have that shine yeah. on us. Yeah, anymore. he does. That's exactly right. He As does, they all complain yes, about the, their power. Their power is missing. I know uh, Brent Sherner office uh, is a UVA guy, and of course roots for them. And is very worried about first round games because they famously lost as a oh, one that was seed a, in the first round. Yeah, that was that was yeah. quite a night. I, I think remember that, that never happened. happened until then. Yeah, it was it was a whole thing. Sure, it was. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We are battling some sickness in the home. There is a cold. I'm not infecting you guys. I do. I currently do not have it. Did you get tested for the cold? I did not get tested okay. for the cold. But the the children have been a bit under the weather, and then my my husband succumbed. Just kidding, he didn't. He's a very tough man. He totally doesn't ever get sick. Yesterday, so I'm waiting for the hammer to drop on me. Last night, in the middle of the night, the baby wakes up like, I'm like, oh no, oh no, the baby's first cold. So we'll be we'll be dealing Good. with that. You know what though. They need the exposure. The babies need it. I mean, yes, it's a pain for you. I don't have to deal with this. But I'm just telling you, as an as an outsider, as a, that doesn't have to be up you. in the middle of the night. Thank you. It's a good thing for babies. It's such a sad thing because you give them their little pacifier that's going to make them feel better. And nope, doesn't make them feel better because then oh, they okay. can't breathe. breathe. <laughs> <I was gonna laughs> say, oh. They can't breathe. Yes. They spit that thing out right away when they can't breathe, which is good. That's you, a you, very good instinct. I think the way this works is you will eventually get a cold when everybody else is finally healthy. When you yes. are taking care of the kids, Kate says this all the time, when she's busy taking care of the whole family, because the whole family might be sick, everybody's finally good, boom. Yeah. I do I do uh, nobody try to make sure that one care caregiver stays yes. standing, right? So so we do our best to keep the one yes. person unsick for as long as possible. I mean, it's the winter, it's gonna happen. But yes, hopefully this one won't turn out as bad as hand, foot, and mouth disease did, which took me out for two weeks of shows, if I remember correctly. So yeah, we'll... there was no there was no video either. There was no video. You, no. you, you chose to make sure. It was no. just, yeah, it was sad. It was a sad time. Anyway, I do want to tell you because it's been a long time since you were a parent of the babies. Yes, that there's an innovation in baby cold care because you can't give them anything, right? You they're, can't they're give them anything, baby. and you can't tell a baby or even a toddler how to blow. Nope, her they nose. can't blow their noses. So, by the way, my toddler hates having her nose wiped. Hates it. And she's just screaming well, she, at me all you mean day. She'd rather try. she'd rather just let it <laughs> yes. go down. Oh her neck, yes. Drip it. So and gross. <laughs> this is also gross. So they have a new invention, well, in the past like five or six years, called the nose Frida. Are you familiar with this? No. Okay. It is a system by which you, the parent, I know, I want to gross you guys out. It has a filter in it. Don't get scared. Suck the snot out of your baby's nose. <laughs> With a particular device. Yes, there's a device. There's there's many layers of protection between you. Wait a minute. But the actual suction is you? Yes. Oh, come on. Yeah. That's too, this, is, this is like, I'd rather siphon gasoline. <laughs> you know how you have to cause See, the, hey, you have to get the, the bubble thing. going? In order oh, to, of course. I'd rather do that. Again, let's just think of it as me gaining yet another apocalypse skill because we're going to have to siphon gas in the yes, apocalypse. That's right. So I've been working on this. I got to say, I know it's like psychologically it's hard to go down this path, but there's like a little, there's a little thing that goes on their nose and then there's a tube 
to a thing that has a filter on it so nothing gets through to you. And then there's another tube to you. And you put the little device up against the nostril and you... He just... And you know what? Okay. It works. It works. And he's so happy now. Look, you can't even hear him. You know, I'd love to see a picture of this. <laughs> Actually, I have it with me. <laughs> Not that we can see it with the video list. The video list getting hammered, but one day... I... Oh, look, there it is. There's the device. Okay, it needs to so, be longer. I'm how... telling you right now. I would be like, you'd be in this room and I'd be in the other room. It's like, how long is it? It's it's more than my forearm. It's from my fingertip yes. up to my yeah, that, that, to my bicep, pretty, my very serious. large bicep. It's like two feet. All, no, yeah. it's not two feet quite. But but it's it's long. Yeah. Anyway, okay. that's the device. Wow. How scary or gross is it? It's cleaned out, guys. Don't so worry. So you could see it travel before it. Yes. Before it's impact. Not, it's not going to get to you. That's the idea behind yeah. the invention. And you have to remember like, not to exhale into it. You also, back in. you also have to remember how much you love your children when you're doing yes. something like this. Yeah, that's quite. Yeah, and and you know what else? Remind them when they're older. I had to do this. Look what I did for that's you. Right. But look how look how happy the baby is. You know what I wonder? The the origin of the invention. It probably started with a straw. <laughs> and it's just like you know what would really help. I guess you producer know Jennifer is yeah. like and about then, to faint over here. Right. And then and then thinking like, oh, we could. There's probably a better way to do this. Longer, more flexible. Okay. No. Oh Comfortable. Well, speaking of quarantining disease that might spread yes. all over, let's talk about the banking industry. Oh, hey, how about that? There you go. So we had a collapse of two banks this week. The first was Silicon Valley Bank, the second, Signature Bank, mm -hmm. which apparently had a lot of crypto in it. SVB, a very Silicon Valley, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. focused bank, Signature, yeah. more crypto. Both Bar Barney Frank's on the board of Signature, by the way. Wow. That seems like a problem. Fitting. You know what? More regulation will probably help, though. So I looked to Elizabeth Nolan Brown at Reason Magazine because she has a, she has a way of- I, got, I thought you were going to say Elizabeth Warren. No. <laughs> she has a way of distilling this stuff so that I can Good. understand it, and it's helpful yes. to- to set it up this way. So she writes about SVB, which is the bigger of the two collapses, yeah. I believe. It appears, or at least the first one, it appears the problem stems in part from the fact that SVB was flushed with cash from a venture capital boom. People kept flinging money at SVB's customers and they kept depositing it at SVB, says Matt Levine at Bloomberg Opinion. Typically, a bank flushed with cash would loan out most of this money, but SVB's customers didn't need loans, in part because equity investors kept giving them trucks full of cash and in part because young tech startups tend not to have the fixed assets or recurring cash flows that make for good corporate borrowers, writes Levine. So rather than making a lot of loans, SVB put a lot of money in long-term fixed-rate interest investments, such as treasury bonds and a 10-year mortgage-backed security, mortgage securities. At the end of 2022, SVB reportedly had $120 billion in investment securities and only $74 billion of loans. This was mistake number one says Andy Kessler at the Wall Street Journal. SVB reached for yield just as Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers did in the 2000s. With few loans, these investments were the bank's profit center. And then interest rates. Then the feds raised interest rates and SVB got caught with its pants down as interest rates went up. Their guys, their customers started getting less cash in and needed to take more cash out of the bank. Meanwhile, they're invested in these things that they have to sell at a loss because interest rates have gone up and they don't have the loans that would normally save a bank in this situation. 
And then people got scared. And then they started taking out their money. And then more people started taking out their money. And it just snowballed to right. the point that the thing couldn't exist anymore. It was a legit run. Yeah. Run on the bank. That's you know where I, you know what my cultural touch point for it is for this? Mary Poppins, obviously. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to say It's a Wonderful Life. Nope. Mary Poppins, when he comes in, he wants his tuppence to feed the birds, little Michael Banks. Oh. And he causes a run on the bank by freaking everybody out because they say, you can't have your money. It's, <laughs> you can't have your money, Michael Banks. The tuppence. What is, isn't that a song? The yeah. tuppence? Tuppence to, to feed the birds. That's what he wants. And his father says, that's not a good use of your money. Yeah. And the bank says, you can't take out your money, little Michael Banks. And they're and the, to him. Yeah. And the and, father, of course, works at the bank. Yes. And. Little Michael Banks throws a fit. This is actually a really good way to understand this. Little Michael Banks throws a fit, wants his tuppence, and he causes a run on the bank. So that's what happened to SVB. All you have to do is watch Mary Poppins. Really, just a quick aside. <laughs> I love the actor who plays the father. He also played Thorndike in The Love Bug. Okay. Yes. It's a Wonderful Life. Also similar. People start panicking. They want their money out. People don't necessarily need their money but they're afraid that they're never going to get it out, and so I need it now. The funny thing is, to make a more mod, I was just talking to my wife about it this morning. You know, you have this, people have this idea that, you know, you look at your bank statement, here's my money in the bank. But it is not its, its not own dedicated little, it's not Gringotts. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'm going to go to my special little vault, and here it is. There's not a lockbox. No. As it were. No. Right. No, it wasn't. So... Do you, do you think of this, the question is, Mary Catherine, do you think of this as a bailout or not? Because that's the big question everyone's saying. It's a bailout. Republicans are saying it is. And, of course, the Biden administration says, no, no, it's not what you think. It, it's not what it looks like. I think it's absolutely a bailout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bailout. Well, it's a bailout for certain people. Like, yeah. we have rules on the books. Yeah. The rules on the books are that 250 k is insured by the FDIC. Mm-hmm. For just such occasions as this. And then when such an occasion occurs, we should follow those rules. That's right. But it turns out that we do not. Now, when TARP happened, philosophically, I was against it. But I understood that there was a possibility that if we didn't do that, then we would be in the economic dark ages within several hours. Okay, I understood that maybe this is the time that this is a really extreme situation and moral hazard doesn't matter as much. This does not feel like that. And therefore the moral hazard will be a problem. Yes. By the way, did the moral hazard from TARP play a part in this? Because it sounds like this was handled very incompetently for a very long time. And perhaps they had in the back of their heads that they were going to get bailed out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't bode well for the future. No, it's good news for the venture capitalist and tech firms. Yeah, who take incredible risks so that they can yeah. reap incredible rewards, but are supposed to bear the costs of the risk when they lose. And now that they know the federal government is serving as a backstop, they can take even crazier risks. It's going to be so fun. By no, the way, that's I, the moral hazard. By the way, I love risk. As a capitalist, mm-hmm. big fan of risk. Yeah. But you have to own that your risk may come at a loss. Uh, and we can't yeah. be owning that for you. And that's what's happening. Oh, I think certain conservatives and Republicans have smartly taken this issue and run with it. Our friend Vivek Ramaswamy, as you know. <laughs> yeah, we talk about all the time. We talk about him all the time. <laughs> he had a piece in the Special journal. Special feature on saying, Vivek Ramaswamy. That's right, coming up right after long COVID. <laughs> and he is 
calling this a bailout, and obviously that it is a, a big mistake by the federal government and the Biden administration to do this because it's rewarding the wrong people. And and so that's that that's very interesting. My my thought is, you know, everyone's saying, don't worry, this doesn't affect you. And it's just, you know, banks will have to deal with this problem. And I'm sure they're not going to pass that cost on to mm-hmm. the average customer, but I'm pretty sure somehow, some way. Anytime the federal government tells you this will cost no taxpayer money, yeah. you should automatically not believe that. That's right. That's right. One of the You things- can look into it. You're welcome to be open to that notion. Yeah. But in general... You should not believe that. And in fact, the Obama head of, you know, Jason Furman, the former head of Obama's Council of Economic Advisors, he tweeted, regulators probably needed to do what they did to prevent potentially chaotic damage across the economy. But make no mistake, it does have an expected cost to taxpayers. And changing the rules ex post like this means the rules were wrong ex ante. I'm not sure where he wants to head with that. He's also not worried about moral hazard in case you're interested. Lawrence Summers also very interestingly was like, do not get in a conversation with me about, you know, the ethics of this and moral hazard. This is something that needs to be done to in order to restore confidence. We have to have confidence. You know what makes me lose confidence? When we don't follow the rules yeah. that we already the have. The quick in place. fixes. The yes. quick fixes. Yeah. And and that every time this happens, everyone says this is a special case and we must do must do this. Including, yeah. by the way, the auto bailouts, right? Yeah. That mm-hmm. was a special case that we had to do it. Mm-hmm. They're all special cases if you have the right politics and you know the right people. Yeah, that's right. And not to get too political, but I believe 90% of these SVB clients have donated to the Biden campaign and to Democrats. Yeah. So obviously, doesn't uh, hurt. I'm just saying will, it doesn't it hurt. It doesn't hurt. I will, I will give Furman's take on moral hazard just to even it out. He says, I'm not particularly worried about moral hazard. The CEO, management, and board all losing their jobs, equity going to zero. Bondholders won't be paid in full. These are all the entities that can, that can effectively monitor... It's unrealistic to expect depositors to do much more monitoring. Anyway, so he thinks that these guys losing their job is fine. They're going to fail up. They're just going to be oh. speaking at South by Southwest by next week, right? No, no, no. Yeah, it reminds me of, Like, you know, get them a keynote. What happened? What went wrong? In 2008, you know, everyone, like, from Lehman and everywhere, everything, they were all, a lot of those bank executives were then later rewarded with bonuses, right? Yeah. After the whole thing. What I was going to say was- uh, At least SBF is going to be up be charged with something we got yeah, that, that doesn't us. that doesn't change no i just mean like in and general like when you're talking about financial scope flaws at oh, least yeah. one of them will yeah. actually face some yeah. charges yeah and the other thing about biden assuring us that he you know he's going to fire we're, we're going to fire the top management at silicon valley bank if i'm not mistaken two weeks before this happened they already uh, cashed out their stocks didn't they yeah well and okay. apparently two and this is this is the other question is like is this a regulatory problem is there a well, first of all, clearly the regulations didn't work here. They were given a clean bill of health yeah. two weeks before this happened by two different major yeah. accountants, I believe. Yeah. So that seems like an issue. Anyway, and- Bernie Sanders is on the board of Signature Bank. He sure didn't say anything. or Not Bernie Sanders, Barney Frank. Barney Sorry, Frank. Whoa. Close Mis- Mr. Close. Financial Regulatory Power Yeah, yeah, yeah power of course, guy, of, right? of Dodd-Frank fame. Right. Everyone's saying the reason for the One of the problems is the watering down of Dodd-Frank and Trump Republicans, some Democratic lawmakers, et cetera. But he didn't maybe see something or you By know, the way, raise uh, a red flag. In the partisan war over who's at fault for yes. this, uh, Politico comes in with this very impartial headline. How Biden saved Silicon Valley startups, colon, inside the 72 hours that transformed U.S. banking. 
Oh, thank goodness wow. for that. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's that it. sounds like that's going to be a real mm-hmm. down-the-middle account and yeah. not a TikTok-delivered just straight from the White yeah. House press room. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saving pets.com. <laughs> All right. I just... Oh, by the way, there is this argument over whether some parts of Dodd-Frank that were loosened a little bit in mm-hmm. 2018 might be the issue, but notably Barney Frank backed that, yeah. which is why a lot of Democrats no, exactly. backed it. Exactly. There were a lot of Democrats, which is why Elizabeth Warren recently lashed out on behalf of, I guess, the working man and woman, but didn't say this is all strictly Republicans' fault. I'm sure she yeah. would love to. Instead, she said lawmakers because they were on both sides. Yep. It's a 16 Senate Democrats and 33 House Democrats backed that. So this is not a particularly controversial measure. And then the last concern is some people wonder whether DEI and ESG is to blame. And it it looks like the evidence for that is not huge. This seems more like a Silicon Valley bros got a little too far out on their skis, a lot too far out Mm -hmm. (laughs) over their skis. And ha- were used to an environment in which interest rates were low and ever lower and did not correct for the fact yeah. that a new thing is happening now. By the way, why is the new, speaking of blame, why is the new thing happening? Because of inflation. Why is the inflation happening? Because of the spending. Anyway. It, it reaches full circle. Yes. So, which is not to take these guys off the hook because they should have been smarter than yeah. this. But it looks like there's not a ton of evidence that it's DEI, ESG, but I would say that there's an eye on the ball problem mm-hmm. when you have these organizations who are worried about things that are not their core business. Yeah. And you should be worried about that. This is what so- I saw Ed Lutwak on Twitter make this point about SVB in the UK bank and their head, you know, the, her, her on her profile was bragging about, you know, her sexual orientation and first generation and all these great accomplishments as a woman what about her qualifications yeah, let's, running let's, the bank? Maybe uh, that's, that's all well and good. It's all well and good. But so I think, what is the chief qualification here? And of course, you know, people are up in arms about that. Right. But No, but I think you know. I think that that can add to a mm-hmm. culture where you're not paying attention to the bottom line because you're told that other things are much more important than the bottom yeah. line or than doing healthy business that is yeah. sustainable. And if you're spending a lot of time and money and attention on that, you are, yeah. of course, taking away yeah. from other things. Yeah. And by the way, SVB UK has been bought by another bank, HSBC, for one pound, I believe, assuming that's all the deal. other- deal. I could have afforded that one. <laughs> You're going to assume a lot of that. But the <laughs> but that's typically, I guess, what happens when a bank fails is another bank should take over, much like the bank down the street and It's a Wonderful Life should have taken, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what should have happened to Mary Poppins. Another bank unseen, unseen <laughs> would have done it. The same thing. You know, but that's normally what happens as opposed to a government intervention. And certainly it's well remain it will remain questionable. Well, from one set of elites to another, let's talk about Hollywood. Oh the yeah, Oscars. Sure. The Oscars this week, Vic. Did you watch that? Do you ever watch the Oscars? Okay, no, and yet I had so I had no intention to watch the mm-hmm. Oscars because uh, you know, I just I hate you know, but but you know, particularly particularly during Republican administrations, is yeah. so unbearable. But somehow, and I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Kimmel's at all anymore. Right. So I somehow ended up starting to watch it, and then I watched it. Oh, so, look at you. Yes, I, w- I was surprised. I would surprised. say this speaks, this speaks well of, of the, the, like, the, what am I trying to say? This speaks well of the movies that they were honoring this year, because I almost tuned in, which is closer yeah. than I usually get. 
No, you all must tune in now because there, you know, there are some years in the past where, you know, particularly obviously during the pandemic, when I think I saw none of the movies nominated. And are and there's like a dozen movies now being nominated for best yeah, picture there's... and you have to check off the boxes because you must have a movie from this particular group or that particular group in order to, you know, pat yourself on the back. But is the movie actually good? I don't know. No, I so feel, this I feel year, like that women really that women talking nominee that for best one, picture really got that one really got screenplay i think it did it i felt like that was sort of no it should not have been i saw three of the best picture nominees okay. which is way more than usual yes everything everywhere all at once uh-huh. i saw top gun maverick yep. and i saw same, the banshees same. of insurance look at us look at us <laughs> so everything everywhere all at once we had this swept, conversation swept much oh what about whether we like everything everywhere all at once yeah, you remember you texted me I remember what you said. I, I don't recall what I said. Did I call it a victory for your people? Uh, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Although it is because you like that movie. I did. I and did. I, and you know, I did not. Yeah. And as some people very uh, jokingly said on Twitter, they will always remember this as the movie that broke me on the sub beacon, which is true. Uh, you know what? I, I got to so go my, back and re-listen to it that. Is that what, what, I, what I have my you huge. flipped out. Yeah, well, I have my Don Geronimo moment. <laughs> That's for local listeners in the uh, D.C. area where I was like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. And I was like mostly half serious. I was half serious, but I just like had to get this out of it. I'm so I was so done with movies because it's so clever. Oh, it's so clever. Oh, you got to think of it as a metaphor for a metaphor. And it was like, please give me a break. It's over. Give me something normal. Give me a break. Give me something normal. Give me normal. Top Gun Maverick. Give that's me Top Gun Maverick. More the Banshees. I get, oh, it's a ma- Okay, everything is a metaphor. That's my old friends on the sub beacon. It's all, you, it's not, it, there's never a movie quad movie, right? It has to be. I'm going off again. You see, like I'm, he's I'm, losing I'm, it I'm again. Losing guys. It again. I shouldn't a, have made him talk about I movies. Can't take it okay. anymore, Mary Catherine. Well, everything all everywhere all at once was named Best Picture at the 95th Academy Awards on Sunday, capping off an improbable awards season run by winning. Oh, season run. Sorry, sorry. I can read. Capping off an improbable awards season run by winning the movie business's highest honor the film a gonzo adventure about a chinese american laundromat owner grappling with an irs audit and interdimensional attackers earned seven statues including original screenplay and directing honors for its creator daniel kwan and daniel scheinert the daniels yeah the victory is a triumph for a24 the indie studio that pushed the zany film to an impressive 100 million at the box office a stunning achievement at a time when the market for art house movies has shriveled they also took michelle yo took best actress jamie lee curtis took Best Supporting Actress, and Kehi Kwan. Kehi Kwan. I, I knew I almost had it right. Took Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, Best Supporting Actor, yeah. Brendan Fraser rounded out those those four for The Whale. Been. You know what I thought upon seeing this list of characters mm-hmm. who won? Is that this is really like our age ranges moment. Notice that the Super Bowl ads were all were back. focused on... Sure. Our nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And now we have Jamie Lee Curtis, Scream Queen yeah. of my childhood. We have Brendan Fraser, heartthrob of my teenhood, making a comeback here. And then- Literally these... a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> Good one. Thank you. And then the star of Goonies and, and Indiana Doom. Jones coming in for the win. That's and right. And it's uh, really, it's a moment for us. It was, I was very, so despite not liking at all everything everywhere happening all over the place- <laughs> I you love. You sound like such a boomer. I know, right? Whatever that is. But you know, the music, the music, yeah. had, it had a good beat to it. So despite that, I I did, I was very happy that Kehi Kwan won. Yes. It is one of the, and, and Brendan Fraser. Yes. Because, you know, 
I think Hollywood loves a comeback story like this. This happened several years ago with uh, that movie. I think it was called Little Children or something. And it was the, uh, the former child actor who then won for Best Supporting Actor when he was much older. It must be horrible, in, 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 relatively speaking, of course, to be at the center of Tinseltown and then all the role roll offers dry up, right? Right. And you can't even get a commercial. To peak at age the, nine, and to right. Peak at, and then next thing you know, you're working here, you're working there. The Journal, ha- Wall Street Journal had an interesting write-up on this phenomenon, how a lot of these kid actors, Meryl Wilson, Jonathan Lipnicki, were all rooting for Kehi Kwan. The, Aww, the piece was filed before so he sweet. won. But they're like, they, they feel for this because you think, do I give up now? Is it over? And it gives them a little glimmer. But I think the sad thing is, I think, you know, the odds are against you. It's, you know, getting a picture in Hollywood, like like getting a publisher or anything else, it's very hard to do. The odds are against you, but it was really great to see him. He was very emotional, Kehi Kwan. And he had previously run into Harrison Ford. And and then, of course, he gives him a big hug on stage. I read this interview that he had where he recently, they were doing some pressers and Harrison Ford happened to be there. And Kehi Kwan was nervous. He saw him and was like, do I go up to him and say hi? Mm -hmm. Because he said, I haven't seen him in 38 years. Don't you think that they all hang out, but they don't? In my head, they do. No, one thing that struck me also, Jamie Lee Curtis, is all these guys, so likable. Oh, yeah. And and I think that... that... Jamie Lee Curtis is crazy, but likable. Yes. She's nuts. I I loved seeing Christopher Guest, her genius husband who writes, or doesn't write, these amazing improvisational movies. Christopher Guest. That's right was tearing up for her. And I'll play I'm a little bit of- glad they're still together. I know, it's so lovely. I'll play a little bit of K.E. Kwan's acceptance speech here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my mom is 84 years old and she's at home watching. Mom, I just want an Oscar. My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp. And somehow, I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. They say stories like this only happen in the movies. I cannot believe it's happening to me. This, this is the American dream. Love that guy. How can you not love that Doesn't guy? Doesn't he seem genuinely nice? He does. You know, I, I, and so, you know, it's like you, you wish him only, I mean, Hollywood must be just a terrible place, you know? So, I mean, it's just nice to see that. And it is, I mean, it, that it's a roller coaster ride because he starts off again. He was of Chinese descent. It was a Chinese family in Vietnam. I mean, this, it, 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 the situation does not get worse, you know, and he's one of the boat people and then ends right. up in the refugee camp. And then, of course, suddenly he's with Harrison Ford in the biggest movie ever, you know, Temple of Doom. And then and Goonies. My my personal favorite, Data and Data. Goonies. And by the way, the voiceover, the voice of God as he's going up to the stage, you know, runs through their creden- credentials and he's like, played Data in Goonies. <laughs> no, he didn't say it, did it really? Yes, yes. <laughs> Okay, a great Richard Donner movie, which also, not James Brolin, Josh Brolin was in that movie as well. So it's funny. But one of the funny things that Jimmy Kimmel said was his observation that both Kehi Kwan and Brendan Fraser were in Encino Man. Yes. So he said a great day, a, a, a big night for them, but not a big night for Polly Shore. 
Polly. Did you listen? So did you listen at all to the Jimmy Kimmel monologue? I did not. I have to tell you, I was, I was, I said, let's, let's see, you know, when he's, when is he going to make the first joke about Trump or Republicans? Right. He didn't. What? Not to, he made a joke later on. He made a joke about dereliction Tucker. of duty. He made a joke about yes. He made a joke about Tucker later and the the, the congressman from New York who oh. has a yeah. I mean, yeah. fair, yeah. fair game. Okay, from, so doesn't uh, he know the fascists win if he doesn't fill that, the entire right. thing Santos. with unfunny jokes? George Santos. Yeah. But he makes a joke. So he made a Will Smith slap joke and Nicely pointed done. out. He goes and and he, and he just said, you know, if something similar happens without mentioning Will Smith's name, he just says. If something happens like that, please just do what you did last year, nothing, and just sit there. And and you might even want to hug the assailant. I mean, it was like really pushing it. Woo-hoo. So he made a joke about that. He made a joke that I think was very funny, which was about Nicole Kidman. He's like, oh, I'm so glad she's finally been freed from that theater, that AMC theater. Because anytime you go to the AMC theater, they have That's her doing right. the promo. So you have to see Nicole Kidman every single time. You have to. You get to see Nicole Kidman. You get Kidman. to see. Excuse me. And then he made Tom Cruise was not. At the Oscars, for some reason. Yes, I saw that. But he made a Scientology joke, and you get you people are still nervous to laugh at that, which is really interesting. And then he made a joke about you know the Fablemans, and he said you know about you know this father son relationship, and he said it's like Steven Spielberg, and there's Seth Rogen, and it's like the Joe and Hunter Biden of of Hollywood. And I mean that's really kind of funny, but I like it. No, I, like I was it. really so giving credit to where credits. Yes. Overall, overall, I'm, I'm yeah. pleased. I wanted to play a, just a little bit of Jamie Lee Curtis as well. Stop. I have 45 seconds and I promised Janet Yang I wouldn't do it well because I'm a good girl. I know it looks like I'm standing up here by myself, but I am not. I am hundreds of people. I'm hundreds of people. I am the, where are the Daniels? Daniels, Jonathan, Leyline, the entire crew, my bae Michelle, Key, Steph, the entire art group of artists who made this movie, we just won an Oscar. Um, to my dream team, uh, my agent Rick Kurtzman, Alan Wertheimer, Heidi Schaefer, Sean James, Grace Ahn, Jane Ross, we just won an Oscar. To my family, my beautiful husband, Christopher Guest. Our daughters, Annie and Ruby, my sister Kelly, we just won an Oscar. To all of the people who have supported the genre movies that I have made for all these years, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, we just won an Oscar together. And my mother and my father were both nominated for Oscars in different categories. I just won an Oscar. So I teared up a little bit. That is, you know, I missed that last part. And that, of course, she's looking up. She looks up to the heavens and says, I just won an Oscar. Tony Curtis, right? Tony Curtis and Janet Leigh, correct? Oh, my gosh. By the way, Jamie Lee Curtis, making Nepo babies look good. (laughs) Yes, no. And I will say this. I would have given her an Oscar for Trading Places, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Great course. role. Also, oh, also about, True Lies. True Lies, another, oh, and another banger from older, JLC. Even though she was older. Yeah. It did not show. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, I don't even... Producer Jennifer's like, what are they doing? Don't talk. It's a very famous scene in True Lies. And think about that. The director was James Cameron. Yeah. 
Think about that. Who got shut out except for best special effects. So uh, we're, we're talking about movies way more than I expected. I know. Here we I are. apologize. It's two Nick. hours later, we're still talking about the <laughs> but, Oscars. But I did want to say that I liked everything everywhere all at once. It was too much in spots. And it is probably going to be the only movie that, with a B-U-T-T-P-L-U-G that wins. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> An Oscar. That was for the kids. Yes, that's for the kids. A, Say keeping it, a clean you, you arrear. spelled that fast. That wins an Oscar. However, I thought <laughs> it was, was like, wait a minute, what was that? What's I that thought again? it was wild and creative and strange and like impressively poignant, giving all that was going on in that movie. And I appreciate that they did something totally off the wall and they were rewarded for it. However, I do think Top Gun and Avatar oh. 2 should have been rewarded like far more than they were. For saving the entire business model of the whole industry. Yeah. Like, not only, I haven't seen Avatar 2, but Top Gun Maverick was a good movie. Mm-hmm. And it saved everyone's butt. Probably deserves one or two, right? The f- Did it pick up anything? Best sound? Hmm. Which was amazing sound, but come on. Come on now. The female pilot was on the champagne carpet. I forget oh, her really? name, the actress. That, yeah. Oh, champagne she carpet. Walked to great. What's that about? Yeah, they brought it back from sixty sometime in the sixties. I disapprove. I guess. Yeah. I don't like change. Yeah. Get out of here with yeah. that. Okay. What are we talking about next? Oh, uh, did you did you want to talk about masks? You oh, know, it turns well, out that study was a lie. Yes. Oh. When it comes to the formerly approved opinions on COVID, for instance natural origin versus lab leak theory on the origin of this of this disease of this virus when it comes to mask mandates and whether they work or masks and whether they work the knots that our intellectual betters tie themselves into yeah to tell us that these things are still true are very very impressive so zinep her last name is tufeki mm-hmm. who is a university of north carolina sociologist scientist like she 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 is an intellectual and she is somebody who about like sort of early to mid pandemic was better at making risk calls than most of the elites and i appreciated her work in fact i think i've tweeted before that she should like be in charge of public health because she can actually gauge who's at risk and who is not however she is real stuck on masks And she writes in the New York Times, here's why the science is clear that masks work. That's the headline of the op-ed. And she calls into question the Cochrane Review, which, of course, has an absence of evidence that masks work, partly because there are no randomized control trials, partly because the people in charge of paying to do randomized control trials decided not to. Yeah. And she just spends a lot of energy telling everybody that, oh, no totes, these work. Well, sure, they work in the very, very narrow circumstances of someone wearing them correctly and mm-hmm. wearing the right kind of mask. And as a population measure... I think you're also wearing a hazmat suit. Yeah, basically don't work at all. So let's think about it in a public health context, maybe not surgeon in a surgeon's room. Mm-hmm. Surgeon's room. That's called an operating room. That's what they call that. <laughs> the OR. Yeah. In the OR. And I just... It's disappointing because it's coming from her. And I don't know why we're so committed to this thing that leads people to force three-year-olds to put Old Navy cloth over their mouths for the day so that they snot all over it. Speaking of snot, that's a callback. 
Why why are we so committed to this? Why? Because nobody the, these people lack humility and they don't want to admit that they're wrong. I think that's 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 the bottom line. I I saw this. I mean, she made an argument, I guess, back in 2020 for the need for masks, but it's really from a sociological Well, and unbeknownst point to me, view. I think we just found out yes. that her argument pushed the CDC that's right. to back this stuff. So she's like patient zero for freedom yeah. denying. Yeah. And that, <laughs> the masks. And that everybody, but it's really good to show and also for solidarity so that, you know, not just some people have to wear masks if you're elderly or immunocompromised, but Everybody, no matter where you go, this is great as long as you're over two years old because, you know, once you hit three, you're very contagious. But two, two, you're safe. That was that was extremely defensive of her when I saw this column. And you're right. The headline is very definitive, but the piece isn't. Right. Because I, I the way they the pushback against the Cochrane study, I have to write it down, is this right? Just because we can't prove masking was effective doesn't mean it was not effective. Cool. That's cool. That's it. So here's the thing. When you force entire populations to do a thing, you should be able to prove that the thing works. And that burden of proof should be on the government and public health. It should not be on us yeah, to, prove that. to prove a negative. Exactly. Like, their position is, our public health officials in all their wisdom, their position is, unless you guys, free citizens, who, by the way, aren't epidemiologists or scientists, so you can't say anything... If you cannot prove that this does not work, Mm -hmm. we can force you to do it. That is stupid. Yeah. That is a stupid standard. It's also really interesting. Abe Greenwald pointed this out over a commentary saying the whole argument that she and other pro-maskers make is very much like the socialism slash communism argument, paraphrasing, which is, we yeah. can't we can't say it's effective because true masking has never been <laughs> has never been tried, you know. Which again, if you're a public health official, what I said during often during the pandemic was, have any public health officials ever met a member of the public? Like yeah. any of them? Because you should gauge your recommendations for how the public might actually work in a real world mm-hmm. situation, not a surgeon's room, also noted as an OR. <laughs> You should think about that. And you can't tell everybody, no, this totally is effective. It's just that you guys didn't put fitted N95s on your seven-year-olds for 24 hours a day. And if you had, then it would have been awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's not a realistic take. And, they, and, they, and of course, they also then surround themselves with like-minded people and create this echo chamber. And so everything that they think is... Right. No one's really challenging them right. on that particular thing. And and you see, I mean, there are still a lot of people out there. The Washington Post did a, a profile not long ago about, you know, the holdouts, the people who still think you need to. Oh, my gosh. What are you doing? Ooh. You know, it was. Did you see the pictures that went yeah, along with it that? It was sad. People wearing actual gas mask respirators it's, it's, in, it's their in their homes. It's really sad. That's yeah. not that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the way forward <laughs> for you and your children. Yeah, plus just, the vaccine. So I mean, you know, four or five shots and the and and the mask. I mean, is the only I just way. don't understand why there's so much institutional attempt to poke holes in the Cochrane review, which by any measure is far more thorough and adheres to like stricter guidelines than yeah. so many of these observational studies that they use to prove that masks work. But we poke holes in this one all over the place. Mm-hmm. 
and tell anybody who believes that, oh, you're just being a rube because you haven't looked at all these other studies. Well, right. those other studies are lower quality and you're happy to run with those right. because they have the conclusion that you want. Right. Yeah. Again, I was never like super hung up on masks, but now I'm like, y'all are pretty hung up on masks. Like it's we got to. I think you might be the one who's hung up on masks. I, I was I was reminded of this just earlier about going around and wearing masks. And, you know, and it's something that we just did. And I, I think about it, actually, you know, when my I was I was very thankful, you know, when my mother passed, it was summer of 2020. And there were people who couldn't even see their loved ones and have services or anything like that. And we were very fortunate, you know, see her in the hospital, bring her home, had oh, a huge goodness. wake yeah. and a big funeral and people show up. Everyone was wearing masks. My, I mean, my joke was, of course, you know, you need, you need to wear a mask at the funeral home because, you know, you don't want to get her sick, you know. But anyway, so but it, it was a weird time. But I cannot yeah. possibly think. The thing is, I, st- I what I what I was thinking was I can't I can't imagine going through that again yeah. where everybody. Wore masks. I mean, they'll try if they can. One person retorted on Twitter, you know, basically the, the classic line, which is you're better than this, but also said, I don't understand. Explain to me what freedom was lost in these mask mandates. And I said, I truly don't understand this take. But let uh, me. How about, how about the freedom to uh, breathe no, freely? We're like, no, just the freedom to walk around with just your face. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a real that's a real thing, guys. But some people think are convinced that that's not it was not a thing. It's not an imposition yeah, at all. And right. I say, feel free to argue that it was worth the loss of that freedom and that it's a minor one and it's OK. And it was worth what we gained. I don't agree with you. But don't tell me it wasn't a loss. Mm-hmm. My kids have never seen their doctor's faces. Yeah. Their pediatrician. <laughs> oh, I, I th- are most doctor's offices still Well, ours is part of a hospital group. Mm-hmm. So I think it's unlikely that the ours. Rules, yeah. yeah. But I have started writing a semi-regular email to the office, which is going to red flag all our records, I'm sure. <laughs> Just say, by the way, <laughs> have you seen the Cochrane Review? You should probably think about getting rid of this because my nine-year-old wearing... This loose-fitting surgical mask is not helping anyone. You know, you're like the prison inmate constantly writing the state to demand better treatment <laughs> for the prisoners. It's gonna work someday. Yeah, you're like, you're like, yeah, you're like, you're like Tim Robbins and Shawshank. We need books. We need a library. Next okay. step, prison riot. Yeah, I'm in charge. Anyway, okay. <laughs> little, I also I got to do Fauci real quick. I, okay, sure. Okay, so Fauci is asked on CNN about the lab leak theory, and. He twists himself in knots to explain to Jim Acosta how <laughs> a lab leak could actually still be natural origin. Because, of course, he's wedded to natural origin and he did a lot of work to preempt the lab leak theory, which is the most likely theory, it appears now. And so he has he's very invested in this and he needs to sort of retroactively explain how this could all work together. So here's what he's got. You know, Jim, I've kept an open mind throughout the entire process, what has changed over months to a year or more is what I mentioned a bit ago, namely that as evolutionary virologists went into this deeper and deeper and analyzed it from a number of standpoints, epidemiologically, virologically, geospatially, they wrote two very important, well-written, peer-reviewed papers in Science Magazine strongly suggesting that in fact it was a natural occurrence from an animal to a human. But strongly suggesting, Jim, doesn't nail it down definitively. 
And that's the reason why I say to this day, I will keep a completely open mind as to what the origin is. And on this theory of a lab leak, uh, I, I, you know, I've been wondering this, do we have any idea how that would even work? Um, have you heard any accounts as to how that might have happened? Is there yeah. speculation well, there, in, in the yeah, scientific there, community as to how that happened? Yeah, the, 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 there's a good, that, that's a very good question, Jim. So one of the things that people maybe don't fully appreciate that all of the intelligence agencies agree unanimously that this was not engineered. Namely, they didn't deliberately do this to make a bioweapon. Okay, he's talking about intent, which is not the thing that we were ever talking about. We were talking about whether it leaked, leaked. from a lab. Everybody agrees with that. No matter what your prior thoughts were, everybody agrees with that. A lab leak could be that someone was out in the wild, maybe looking for different types of viruses and bats, got infected, went into a lab, and was being studied in the lab, and then it came out of the lab. But if that's the definition of a lab leak, Jim, then that still is a natural occurrence. The other possibility is someone takes a virus from the environment that doesn't actually spread very well in humans and manipulates it a bit and accidentally it escapes or accidentally infects someone and then you get an outbreak. Those are the possibilities when you're talking about lab leaks. But are, are there any accounts of that occurring where one might say, okay, well, there, there we go. Perhaps this is it. This is what happened. No. That you're aware of. In fact, there are no lab leaks that have led to pandemics. So there have been accidents in a lab that happens intermittently. We've had experiences with that in modern times recently, but there have never been a situation where a virus escaped from a lab that's a brand new virus that no one has ever seen before that led to a pandemic. That has not happened. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This is this is the science. This mm -hmm. is the man who is the science. And he'll tell yeah, don't you challenge him. He'll tell you that this is a very astute theory. It is actually embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Oh, he, he, yeah, no, he's 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 redefining lab leak. Like if a guy got he's like studying, and then he went to the lab and then he got it from a natural occurrence, but in the lab and then it came out of Oh my gosh, man. Still natural. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Yeah. That was that was interesting. And also, I forgot that Jim Acosta is still there. I was thinking of Brian Stelter. Sorry. Different one. <laughs> it's a different one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We're going to go straight to Southern Foods because okay. we've been talking for a while. Okay. Okay. This is fun for the day. There was a question online, well, a viral tweet online about Southern Foods and which ones you had tried and which ones you hadn't. There's a list of 39 of them, That's including right. Gator Tail. Oyster salad, pickled pig's feet. And so people were enticed to tell what their number was. Do you want to? Yes, I will go first because because <laughs> it's a much lower score. But the do you have the grading scale system there? Yes, I do. Yeah. So one, one through five. So you get one mm -hmm. point for every food you've yes. tried. One through five might be a Yankee. Six to ten, how's your mom in them? Eleven to fifteen, born and breaded. 16 plus, show enough Southern. Okay. So as you know, I was born in New York, was raised in New Jersey. Okay. By, Might be a Yankee. By parents who are from the Philippines and married a girl from Connecticut. Okay. okay. <laughs> that said, 16. 
Oh, that's impressive. It is. Well, and I was honest. A, I even gave I even gave it the benefit of the doubt. Like, well, I can't remember, so I won't count it. And I still came up with 16. It is possibly nice. higher. And my theory is, A, I love food. Mm-hmm. And B, I've been living in this town long enough for almost, like, well, more right. than 30 years. So, you know, there enough Southern food has reached the district. Yes, it does, it does get sort of distributed in right? the district, sort of in right. its, like, fancy-schmancy That's form. right. I, I, in the right. 90s, I went to Georgia Browns. And I think yes. that was the first Southern restaurant I went to. And had pretty good. I love fried chicken livers. Yeah. I am such a sucker for fried chicken livers. Okay. And the other thing is, twice as a kid went to South Carolina. Okay. And I remember having fried chicken. So with you honey really, you're on the cusp. I'm on the cusp. Straight up southern. Oh, hold on. Okay. Now tell okay. our listeners well, what as was every, your score. As everybody knows, I was born in Alabama, raised in North Carolina, went to school at the University of Georgia. <laughs> this is as far north of, as I've actually ever been, yes, guys. That, this that's is, this it. is it for me. I'm kidding. My score was 36. What was the max score? 39. 30? 39. Wow. Okay. For, what are the three you didn't okay, have? The but then three, we can go through them. One is surprising, and actually I'm a little bit okay. disappointed in myself. The ones that I have not had are oyster salad. Oyster stew is a thing in my family, but not oyster salad. Yes. So what is, um, that, what is that? Just the oysters on a bed of, on a bed of greens? I'm not even really sure. We Fine. have to look it up. You know, if okay. I know Southerners, it's not that, because that sounds healthy. Um, <laughs> I would say it's probably oysters chopped up and thrown into like a coleslaw type thing with mayonnaise. Ah, uh, yes. Jennifer's not. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know my people. Yeah, that's good. All right. And then gator tail, I have never actually had. Really? I would like to try it. I would not be shy about that at all. Here's the one that's sad because it's been available to me all my life in many, many gas stations and I've never done it. Pickled pig's feet. At gas stations? Really? Oh, yeah. That's where they keep them. <laughs> Uh, you that's can't where the see. delicacies like, are. Uh, you've rendered me speechless and intrigued. I don't think yeah, I don't a, think I would like try it from a gas yes. kind of situation. Oh, it's sort of like, you know how you can get pickles from a jar. Instead, yes. you'll take the pig's feet. Pig's feet instead. My, you know, my mother used to have, you know, pickled pig's ears, mm-hmm. and which is, you know, poor people from around the world have many things in common. Pig knuckles, pig's feet. Exactly. Ears. You gotta use you all got, of this pig, right? Snout the tail. I've amazingly I've had gator tail. I love it. It's, I would it's, like to try it's, it. It's chewy. That's what I've heard. That's it's what chewy. people told me on, I mean, the, on deep, the Twitter. You want to deep fry it, obviously. Yeah. Okay. So going through, what, what, are the, what, are the, what are the ones here? In it? Okay. Hey, so, uh, oh, you want me to name yeah, everything? Yeah, here, yeah, we, yeah. here we go. Oh, okay. Well, peach cobbler, yeah. uncontroversial. Okay, Sweet tea. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Chicken and dumplings. Cornbread. Gumbo. Frog legs. Made them myself at home, in fact. Had frog legs in Mexico. I, I counted it, though. That's really yeah. south. Oh, that counts. <laughs> that counts. It does, yeah, you don't have to have them in Georgia. Okay. Chicken fried steak. Yeah, yeah, of course. Love it with white gravy. Yes. So good. Hush puppies, easy. Mm-hmm. Hush puppies, by the way, some people don't know what those are. They are the fried, fried little bits of corn, cornbread. Yeah, corn in it. Right, with corn in it. And you. the reason they're called hush puppies, by the way, is because it used to be the droppings that you would fry and then throw to the dog so he would hush puppy. Anyway. Look at that. It's a real thing. Oh, by the way, a real and, and since we're on this topic of food, a chicken fried steak, you do not actually want a good steak. No, no, no. <laughs> the worst, the best. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like a minute steak. Okay. <laughs> okay. Grits. Mm. Oyster salad is one that I have yeah. not had. Congealed salad. I mean, they're everywhere. So you've had Do that. you go to church? Like. <laughs> <laughs> that's like from the 50s, though, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but, but every still, Baptist or Methodist picnic yeah, is yeah. just. So like in the jello huh? kind of a yes. thing. We, yeah. have a, we have a salad in my family that's like a lemon jello with like cranberries and some orange zest and okay. all sorts of things right. and some nuts oh, in it. Oh, I would do that. And it's called, my family calls it 18-wheeler salad because apparently 
the first time that someone made it for a gathering, they made enough to fill an 18-wheeler. So that's always been what it's called since then. My father also likes a congealed salad that is lime jello, cottage cheese, yeah, cons, and horseradish. Ooh. It, that's a whole yeah, other adventure. Yeah, that's a That's like Food Network Challenge. He swears by it. Honestly, I got to try it again because it's been a while since I've attempted that one. Okay, congealed salad, fried green tomatoes. Yes. Yes. Pickled pig's feet. I missed that one. Red eye gravy. Yes. Mm-mm. Chest pie. No is pie. that just with a lattice, a pie that has like a like a pie with a lattice no, on top? No, a chess pie is a, to my mind, sort of bland, oh. <laughs> sweet treat. They're usually sort of miniature mm-hmm. pies. They're sort of like, I sort of saw it described, I think, well, as a pecan pie without the pecans. So it has that sort of glutinous <laughs> center, but yeah, nothing to- It's like pure caro syrup. Nothing to, level, it. to okay. leaven it. I, I try it. I would try it. Now, there are chocolate chess mm-hmm. pies better than- Sort of the original, which okay. the original to me is just like, this is yeah. just sugar jelly. To rewind really quickly, why? what is red eye gravy? It's just a, like a drippier gravy. I have to look it up and it has... <laughs> okay. I've never made it before. Okay. That's, right. that's that's why okay. I'm falling short here. Yeah. But I should know. And so let's let's fact check me. Red eye gravy. Yeah, it's like, yeah, a dri- drippings in it. Okay, okay. see, I wasn't mm. wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. Certain favorite requires just two ingredients, drippings of country ham and black coffee. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. See, drippier is exactly what it was. All right. I lost my tab. Where is it? Sorry. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> Turnip greens. Duh. Hoppin' John. I've had ones. Hoppin' John, yeah. Yeah. Chicken livers. Ugh. Tomato sandwich. Yeah. Rabbit stew. Mm. Rabbit stew, courtesy of covering... A cook-off at the Extension Office in Rockingham, North Carolina, at my first newspaper job. The Extension Office, the is extension like the agricultural yeah, agricultural you're... center, and so all the hunters get together and cook all their stuff. So it's like swan stew and rabbit stew wow. and squirrel. squirrel. And so I've had a lot of things, courtesy of the Extension mm-hmm. Office, where I think at one point I was asked to be a judge, but due to my journalistic ethics, I could not do both. You were literally in the weeds. Yeah. The the I've had rabbit, but not the stew. Okay. Red beans and rice. Mm-hmm. Brunswick stew. You mention it. I've always wanted to try it. I don't think I have. Oh, you've never tried no. it? It's very good. In my family, there's a big once a year gathering where they go out to a hunting lodge in the country in Southwest Virginia, where my mom's family is from, and they make a giant cauldron of Brunswick stew to the point that the first time my father tried it, when he married into the family, he's like, this is amazing. Can I get the recipe? And they give him the recipe. And it says 20 whole chickens. That's what goes into the Brunswick stew in my family. That's amazing. Yeah. So maybe we can have you out for that. I would love that. Fat corn pudding. Mm-hmm. Fat back. What is that? Fat back is just a part of the pig that you use to cook things like collard greens and. Okay. Yeah. It's like, is it the opposite of pork belly? It's like just yeah, on the other side saying, of the pig. Right. <laughs> I don't actually right. know the location All right. of All right. it. All right. Um, Interesting. Fried bologna. I would love to try that. I, oh. I maybe had a fried bologna sandwich once. Yeah, this but, is a you big know. thing. Fried bologna sandwich is a staple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fried okra. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was fried. Yeah. Fried okra is one of those I, things. I, where I like. It, Kate hates okra unless it's yeah. like dried. You know, like crunchy. Fried okra to me is one of those things that I feel like as a southerner I should enjoy more. But I have to be honest with myself, and it's not my fave. It's it's very specific texture. Yes. People who have had okra, it's like what it's like it's like the thing the goo from aliens is on it. <laughs> okay. Boiled peanuts. Yeah, I maybe. They are my favorite food in the world, so I have had plenty. Are I, they soft? Yes. Okay. 
we yeah we talked we talked about this because we de- decided that you could probably eat the whole shell with the even oh, though you right. do that I do do that with regular peanuts regular which might peanuts. you know you like also have animal. some you also have some dental issues I so. do so I, should, I just I don't yeah. want to I don't want to say yeah. correlation is causation yeah. but you know I learned it from Bill Crystal so <laughs> take 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 what you will from so that. boiled okay. peanuts chitlins. No, like, I haven't had chitlins. Oh, I mean, anything fried is good. It's you're, pretty, you're, pretty strong stuff. There's a Filipino version called sisig. It's yeah. basically everybody's got it's got the, one, right? Yeah, it's everything else. Yes, all the things that you the must things. cook. The yeah. things. <laughs> Pear salad. Yeah. Mm, okay. Butter beans. Jambalaya. You got to have jambalaya. Yeah, that's yeah, like yeah, a yeah, fancy yeah. jambalaya. I've had jambalaya. I've had deviled eggs. Yes, of course. Po boys. Yes, love it. Fried gizzards. I like gizzard. Yeah. But I don't think I had it. Coca-Cola cake? No. It's just like, okay, it's what you would imagine. It's like whiskey cake, but with Coke. <laughs> Gator tail? Yeah. Poke salad, which okay, is something. I thought it was poke. So some like, people Ooh. were asking, in the South, do they eat poke? No. That, <laughs> they were ahead of their time. That would be healthy again. Yeah. <laughs> so this salad is born of the Appalachian area where poor people needed to make the best of weeds outside their homes. Oh, actual pokeweed. And so this is like pokeweed that can be actually poisonous if you don't prepare it correctly. But we are innovative people in Appalachia and they <laughs> figured out how to make it into a salad so that it doesn't hurt you and you just put like a light dressing on it's it. It's like their version of like, you know, nettle. Yes. Super yes. nettle, which is you touch a raw nettle, it stings. Yes. I want to eat that, but I guess so, people do. Yeah, okay. you know, you do what you got to do in the mountains. Woof. Well, by now, in, in Dolly Parton's in Dolly Parton's yes, five hundred square foot home with eleven children in it, you eat what you have to eat. That's right. And the last one is ambrosia. Yes, I've had. I've had my mother's make. Okay, <laughs> our listeners must be starving for it. So, on that note, well, you know, we started off grossing them out, and then we ended with some delicious. There you food. go. <laughs> I'm just gonna make a joke, but I'm not gonna leave it at that. And that'll wrap up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thanks for being with us and getting hammered responsibly. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>